Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with Reggie Campbell. He's an investor, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Radical Mentoring. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time listening, I appreciate you checking us out and hope you find some value in this conversation today with Reggie Campbell. If you're a longtime listener or if you've tuned in before, thanks for your continued support. And if you have not done so already, if you can leave a review and a comment on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated as the reviews and ratings help drive this podcast forward and keep it going. Today with Reggie Campbell, uh, we chat about radical mentoring to start, something he's spending a lot of time on right now, um, which had early roots starting with uh, eight mentees, uh, and he was the one mentor um, and has since since developed and branched off uh, to hundreds of mentees, uh, many different churches, um, and has impacted many, many lives uh, directly and indirectly. We look into the concept of mentoring and what makes this dynamic so important at Radical Mentoring, um, some qualities and characteristics of good mentors and good mentees, really that secret sauce that that keeps it alive and keeps the keeps us as part of the the important disciple equation, um, and he shares his faith story, faith story, and how this was so instrumental in, in p- pushing him to a new level. Um, and you'll hear uh, uh, during his time of weakness, uh, th- the Lord spoke to him um, when he made himself available. He was there. He's founded over over a dozen organizations, um, so he hops into a story of what separates a good from a great organization he also shares a bit, a bit more advice he has for his younger self um, and uh, one of his favorite books uh, that that he wrote um, mentor like Jesus um, and and also radicalmentoring.com uh, are a few a few different ways that you can find him but let's hop into the podcast uh, and hear everything that that he has to share in, in this conversation Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And today I'm joined with Reggie Campbell. He is an investor, entrepreneur, author, and the founder of Radical Mentoring. So without further ado, Reggie, thanks so much for hopping on today. Hey, glad to invite. Sure thing. Uh, so just to, to get started and to open up the conversation, um, I know Radical Mentoring is really where you're spending a lot of your time right now. Um, so I wanted to hear just a quick intro into really what this organization is all about. Well, it's an, it, it was never intended to be a, an organization or a ministry. I just started uh, mentoring eight guys per year and I ran my dining room table about 18 years ago. And um, <clears throat> it's just taken off. Uh, I didn't really talk to anybody about it for about seven years. And then I had a health scare, which... Um, helped me uh, get a lot more motivated with my life purpose. And uh, so I started to sort of socialize what I was doing with some churches and it took a while for churches to catch on to it, but Mm. uh, now it's kind of blowing up. We've got um, 170 churches all over the country, um, a couple of the largest 
10 are are doing it and and uh, they do the same thing they call it different things and we've hmm. made it available to be white labeled and um so so churches can make it their own but it's it's fundamentally a men's small group mentoring process or if you want to use an old term it's an old it's a men's small group discipling process haha <laughs> hmm. Wonderful. Uh, so this started uh, just with you know with with a group of eight folks around your table uh, gathering at the table. You just uh, kind of how did that those initial stages look for you when uh, mentoring these these young men and um, kind of how has it uh, evolved today? Well, I can't tell you that without going back and kind of giving you my story. Um, Perfect. I was raised in a, in a, a church context. Um, you know, was baptized when I was ten. Um, I, I got enough religion to vaccinate me uh, against a real relationship with, with Jesus. So I went through the motions and uh, you know, got married, had kids, went to work with what ultimately became AT&T Information Systems. Um, but I got further and further from what I was brought up to believe as well as never really had that relationship with Jesus. And so when I was 33... My wife decided that she had had enough of me and um, that I wasn't the man that she thought I was. And she um, said, I'm leaving you. And uh, while I'm away, you get to know your kids. She got in the car and left. <laughs> so wow. uh, that was a wake-up call. And so I, I went out in the backyard of my house that night and cried out to God for the first time and, and really sensed that he loved me. And that's that was the game changer. I've done a lot of pathology over what my friend John says is one of the most transformational conversions he's ever watched. Um, but that was really the deal. My dad, <clears throat> I never felt like I mattered to him. Um, but when I realized that my Heavenly Father loved me and that I really mattered to him, uh, it changed everything. So six months later, I left AT&T, started a little startup um, company, and then that led to another one. And uh, faith-wise, I got involved in, in a really good church that was just a startup church, which is my environment. And ultimately, over the next 15 years, I was I became known as a mentor to single guys and um, did that for a long time. Moved over to North Point Community Church in the early stages mm. there. I'm a charter member at North Point. Uh, did that uh, in that context for a number of years. And then um, I heard Tim Elmore speak, who... He gave this quote. He said, more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. And what I realized is that I hadn't mm. been intentional in mentoring younger people. I'd just been sort of a problem solver, uh, serving up advice. And uh, so I jumped in and, and I said, okay, I'll handpick eight guys. They're going to have to apply, and I'm going to pick the guys that I want to pour into. And being a CEO of several companies by that time, I, I was not going to put up with showing up sometime and doing the work or not doing the work. So I made this covenant commitment that said, if I pick you, you will be at every meeting, you'll do the homework, and when you graduate, you will pay it forward to at least eight other guys. And so I started doing that, as I said, um, in 2001. And um, that's what's grown into what is radical mentoring today. So mm. I guess out of my conversion experience, I developed a, a deep sense of gratitude. And I looked at what season of my life um, 
is when I ran off the rails and when I really developed a strong need for God. And that was when I was in my early 30s. Uh, I was married, had two kids, and I was a gunner. I was a heat-seeking business guy. Mm. And so my first group were all late 20s, early 30s. And I love that. That's still my my um, unique um, gig. I don't always uh, succeed in having guys in that age frame, but I really love guys in that frame because they're teachable, they're hungry. You can be really straight up with them. Uh, sometimes they blow you off, not usually. And so that became my passion, became my purpose, and now it's kind of my destiny. This is what I do. Wow, wonderful. So in your, in your I think in your weakness and in your struggle, you kind of leaned on the Lord the most, and uh, he really kind of not, not only showed off, but really showed up uh, in your life and really uh, it changed it yeah. for the better. Now, big time, I think what happens from from us is God will if we make ourselves available, He'll mm-hmm. use us at the point of our brokenness, and He'll take us. You know, the best person to uh, make a difference for an alcoholic is somebody who's an alcoholic. Mm. And um, for me, I was a heat-seeking uh, business guy, and I think he's used me most powerfully in the lives of heat-seeking business guys. Mm. And I, and I uh, think, go ahead. you know, I was just going to say, and, and along that, one of the things you're mentioning is the really kind of what uh, what what the dynamic looks like in the relationship between you and the uh and, you know, in those initial guys, I'm, I'm curious really what, you know, it sounded like this contract or this covenant up front can kind of seem pretty daunting, right? It's, you know, you have to commit, you know, for showing up, I'm sure, you know, every week or every other week. And then not only that, but then later discipling, uh, you know, other guys down the line too. It seems like it's kind of a, that's a, a big price to pay up front. Um, what, or at least for some, I think for a lot of guys to commit to that, what, um, what do you think? led to the success or, um, or or maybe even some of the failures of, of having that? Well, I think we are all um, attracted to a higher bar, mm. and churches become so pithy and so easy. You know, we made it um, anonymous and uh, attractional, and all that's good. I go to a, an attractional church. Mm. But I think men in particular um, want to be challenged, and so this is not for everyone. I don't, I don't pick eight out of eighty. I may, mm. in a typical year, I would get nine, maybe ten um, applications, and now my church is doing it, and and so I actually mm. function under the leadership of of North Point. We call it leader development groups there, but it's uh, it's the same, basically mm. the same process. So, yeah, you do have some, um, I guess you have a testing effect, meaning that the guys that sign up and apply are serious. They're hungry. Um, and, and there's other elements of the covenant. One is that um, you have to, to agree that you will take off-target feedback and that um, you won't get defensive, that you will, uh, you're coming into this to learn and grow. Hmm. Uh, there's confidentiality, which says that you know you don't talk to anybody about what's said in the group um it's very overtly christian there's no we talk a little bit along the way about business and decision making and um, character and and uh, things that, that that really carry over into business but this is an overtly hmm. jesus christ centric deal hmm. wonderful um and, and I, you kind of spoke uh, onto really what makes a, I'm sure makes a good mentor, somebody who wants to learn a lot, or sorry, a good mentee, 
somebody who wants to learn a lot, uh, somebody who's hungry to uh, to grow and to develop uh, as a person and as a as a child of God. Um, on the other on the other end, when these when these you know folks end up becoming mentors, uh, what what makes a good mentor? Well, first and foremost, I think it's someone who is. Um, who is wise, i.e. they have a, they're introspective to the degree that they evaluate their experience. Um, wisdom comes from evaluated experience, not just experience. I think they have to be, um, have a, a fairly high EQ to be able to uh, listen and, and pay attention and be empathetic without, uh, without being judgmental. They have to be uh, disciplined in being to listen more than they talk and not give advice. Um, you know, I, I don't. I try to not give advice. I ask questions and point to scripture. Mm. Um, when I give it, when a mentor gives advice, then he's on the hook for the outcome. And um, so I, I just help guys think through what they're doing or what they're not doing, and and um, give them challenges from scripture and show them stories from scripture that's relevant to what they're what they're doing or facing. But this is not an, an advice oriented deal. This is just about. And here's the ticket. Um, you know, when I read this um, verse a couple of years ago in the message translation, it was like lights, light bulbs went off everywhere. Uh, Eugene Peterson's translation in Matthew 28, 19 says, teach everyone you meet this way of life. And what I realized in that is what radical mentoring is doing is teaching guys this way of life. And where do you get, how do you learn this way of life? How do you live life as a, as a Christ follower? Uh, we, we teach hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of Bible study. You're, you go off to seminary, you're going to get steeped in studying and analyzing God's Word and learning how to, to you know, understand the Greek and where these words came from. And, and all that's really important. But if you walk out of seminary with that and you don't know how to live a life for Christ, you don't know how to, to you can't teach someone how to make decisions, uh, you can't help them translate in a meaningful way what the Bible and what God actually said about divorce, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all part of the way of life, and we don't really teach that in church. Sorry. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I know that you've um, kind of. I guess transitioning a bit more to you personally, and I know you founded over a dozen organizations. Um, can you give me an example of a company that has uh, that has thrived? And and on that note, uh, what is what's the secret sauce that or what separates a good from a great organization based on the experiences you've had? People, um, every organization is people away from its objectives, and uh, I think one of the reasons I've been somewhat successful is that. Um, that I am a challenger. As a matter of fact, my life purpose statement is to glorify God by loving and serving others and by challenging them to be all they can be and to give all of themselves to Christ. So uh, I'm a challenger. I'm not, I, I have an achievement strength, but I'm more achieved through the efforts mm-hmm. and, and success of other people. So I think that's number one. And, and you know, you read Good to Great and you know all, all the all the the criteria for level five leaders, and it all comes back to humility and caring about people and being passionate about what you're doing. So, uh, my, my 
all my businesses that I've been involved in are people-centric businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, the last business that I invested in a business and helped bring one out of the ground that ended up um, being very, very successful. And it was in a, in a space of automating the processing of sales and use tax returns for telecom companies. Now, how boring is that? But when I when we cashed out of that business after 40, I was in my, my mid-40s, and everything I'd done and accumulated up to that point was doubled with that small investment in that one company. Wow, wow. Um, the big, I think the, the Bible verse I was thinking about that I think really resonates with this uh, theme is John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Um, focusing again on that, the serving serving of others and focusing uh, not on your personal profit, but but the the profit of uh, each and every one that's part of the organization. You know, there's a there's a great apostle. Uh, I forgot whether his name was Ronald Reagan or Zig Ziglar, um, but one of them said, you can get anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. Mm. And there's a lot of truth to that. You know, and, and if you set things up and build companies and organizations in a way that there's a collaborative environment and everybody gets what they want, then it's a lot easier to lead them towards success than we're I'm going to get what I want, and you get out there and make it happen, but you're not going to participate. You're not going to necessarily get what you want. You're just you're just a worker, and, I, and, and I'm the big cheese. That doesn't work very well. That's, that's not, I'm sure people make it that way, but that's not my gig. Hmm. Wonderful. Um, next question. Uh, what advice do you have for your younger self? <laughs> um, wake up to what's important early in life you, you you know there's a scenario that's building in our culture where in, our, in, in I'll even say in our church culture is we pour into kids we pour into middle schoolers we pour into high school and then they go to college and they completely forget walk away from everything that was poured into them and then they stumble around and then they, they find somebody and they get married and they're still stumbling around, they're playing, they're, they're getting their job, they get all things oriented in what can I acquire and accumulate. And then they have kids, and, they, and the two biggest stimulus for people to get serious about life is either kids or some sort of disruption. Mm. And, and so, to me, it was 33 years old, I was 33 before I woke up, and I just regret that I didn't have that awareness of what really mattered, you know, between age 20, 20 and age 33. I mean, they, one of the most dangerous concepts in the world is they. And they, they, and this, this one goes right to you. They will probably listen to me if I have a seminary degree. <laughs> They're more likely to hire me if I've been to seminary. Well, in my context, it was, hey, they really like it when people have MBAs. Mm-hmm. So I spent three and a half years at night getting an MBA. And because they said I would go further faster with an MBA. Those three and a half years, I can never get back. And I, I've got great pictures of my toddler children, but the time that I got to spend with them was probably a third of what it could have been. And so I just I was worshiping a lot of the wrong gods until I was until I was disrupted in uh, at age thirty three. Now I see a lot of people that 
kind of start to wake up when they have small kids. Like, what am I going to tell this my kid about about God? And and then we've got a generation now that's almost child worshipers. So they'll go to church, do whatever it takes to try to make this child a prodigy, to be the person that they they dream that they will be. Mm. And that's that maybe doing the right thing, but maybe for the wrong reason. Yeah. No, I, I think when we're when we're able to get to a place of uh, establishing ownership of uh, of what we're doing, um, or I think then we're able to, I think really see it from a different angle. Uh, if when we're, I think when we're sometimes when we're just skating by and we're. Uh, we don't really assume that this is our responsibility and that this, we have the ownership and that the decisions that we make directly impact the outcome. Um, I think it's uh, it's harder to see that bigger picture um, and you can write it off and see whether it's through directly not caring about it or uh, ignorance, which in a way is still writing it off as well. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, that was, I studied for the, for the GMAT and the GRE, you know, ended up taking the tests, hundreds of hours spent, and I took it and I said, what, what am I even doing this for, actually? Because I, I, I don't really, I, this isn't really what I want to do. I, I want to do this, I want to do something because it looks good, but that, that, that's, that's not the right way to do it. So I ended up completely, you know, cutting it and I said, all right, this is not my path forward and I don't want it to be. So why continue to put myself in in suffering when it's not for good. I was, I was reading passage this morning and there absolutely there's value in suffering and we should rejoice in it. But if, if the suffering is for the wrong, the wrong cause for the wrong idea, then, then we should not, uh, then we should cut it off. I believe that's in, um, I think it's in one, one Peter, I believe, but, uh, but in anyways, um, the, uh, the, the last, the last few questions I want to ask, um, just where where can people find you? Uh, you know, uh, whether it's through uh, radical mentoring or anything else that you're involved in right now. Well, I think the um, one thing I didn't mention <clears throat> was that after I'd done this uh, radical mentoring thing for a number of years, I was awakened in the night, and um, this little voice said to me, "Well, you're just doing what Jesus did." And I went to my computer and I, I said, "Okay, well, what, what did Jesus do?" And really, um, the outline for a book um, called Mentor Like Jesus was was put together in literally 15 minutes. Mm. So um, you can you can go to uh, Amazon and uh, purchase Mentor Like Jesus by Reggie Campbell, and that gives you the up close and personal um, story about this. But more importantly, it gives you the principles that make men small group mentoring. Um, not just successful, but they're what Jesus did. I mean, if you think about it, um, Jesus did exactly what we're, we're doing in Radical. He handpicked some guys. He didn't teach them in rows. He walked life with them for a season. It was steeped in prayer. It was all scripturally based. Um, and it was all multiplication. It wasn't addition. It was multiplication. Um, so that book will give you an insight into what mm. this is and uh, and, 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 and how how it can make your life extremely rich, either as a mentor or a mentee. The, um, the website for Radical Mentoring is, is um, RadicalMentoring.com, and that's where you can find out everything about Radical Mentoring. Particularly, uh, we're interested in church people um, either taking this to their church uh, or going to their church and saying, hey, we want to do this. We've, we've been so incredibly blessed that, 
all radical mentoring is funded by people who've been through a group or who've been a mentor or churches where it's being done. So it doesn't cost anything. Like all the materials, the, the coaching that we provide, all of it's free. So it's hard, it's hard to beat free. Mm. We just need, we need uh, guys like you to learn about it and then go to your men's uh, minister or your group's minister or your discipleship pastor or if, if all else fails, go to your senior pastor and say, I want to do this and I want you to be my mentor and I want you to put seven, eight guys with me and do this deal. That's what we need you to do. Wonderful. So the, the book is called Mentor Like Jesus? Correct. And then RadicalMentoring.com. Awesome. Um, final question. Just anything, uh, one thing that we didn't cover that uh, that you, that's on your heart and you, uh, you'd like to share. I would just, um, I, I, my guess is that the people that are listening to this podcast are probably pretty serious about their faith. Just don't go it alone. You know, I've got, I've got a board behind me of uh, that has 136 names on it. These are the guys that have been in my groups eight at a time over the last 18 years. And those guys, they've got at least one other guy that knows their dark corners. And they've got a history with eight other guys. And, and they've got a history with me. There's, there's always someone they can turn to when they're thinking about doing something doing something they shouldn't be doing or thinking about doing something they shouldn't be doing you know and sin just grows in the dark and uh, and just mm. bring it to light in relationship with another guy is um, is so key to thriving in your life and in your walk so my challenge would be whether it's through a mentoring group or a one-on-one -on -one mentoring relationship with someone or just a guy a, a guy friend who wants to live the kind of life that you want to live, don't go it alone. Connect with somebody, hold them close, don't hold them accountable. Accountability doesn't work. You know, don't do the checkbox routine. Just stay connected in your life and build a trust relationship so that you don't face temptation nor um, the mountaintops all by yourself. Awesome, so don't go in alone. Uh, well, Reggie, thanks so much for uh, spending some time on the Guys Like Us podcast and really appreciate you being here. Good. God bless in all you do. Thank you.